We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 24th day of February, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it is good to see you today. I do regret that I wasn't able to see you yesterday, so to speak. Uh, I had a little bit of uh, internet troubles because, uh, quite frankly, I think it's because of the storms that were here over the last four days. I think they did some damage, and it was through no fault of my own. The uh, The service provider had some issues, and they decided to work on things late into the evening, and it just so happens that that coincided with uh, when we sit down to record and, and do our podcast. So unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, we weren't able to be here. However, yesterday, you as the listener, if those of you who have not heard it before, because right, I know we have a lot of new listeners, we're picking them up all the time. You got an interesting podcast. They got the cult of COVID. You know how we compared it to uh, to Heaven's Gate? Yeah, yeah. they got that one. That mm -hmm. was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. And it's uh, worth comparing again, because um, the times of which we're in, you still have people that are on board with the COVID narrative, the lockdowns, all the craziness, the mandated jabs. Um, and the idea that it's a cult is even more real today. Mm -hmm. Certainly is. How are you today, Bruce? Uh, healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Uh, glad you got your internet fixed. I'm glad it didn't take you a month or so like uh, the provider that I'm with, you know, and uh -huh. they never fixed it. So you ditch well, them and go with another one. Yeah. You know? German efficiency. They usually sort it out in a day or two. They're, they're pretty good at that. Uh, That's true. Yeah. But uh, we also made a software change on my end last night, and I think it's working out for the better. I, I'm, I'm having a lot less uh, technical problems than what I was having yesterday. Yeah. So hopefully um, all around better, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's hope so. So interesting thing that we didn't catch two days ago. Uh, we just caught it today. Uh, and that was the significance of February 22nd, 2-22-2022. Interesting date, to say the least. If you do the math on that, and when I say do the math, I'm not talking about counting the zeros because obviously the zeros equal nothing, so you're not going to use those. But if you take 2 times 2 times 2 times 222 which would equal all the twos in that date from two days ago, it equals 1,776. What happened in 1776? Anybody know? Anybody Anybody have any ideas? Any guesses? Any By show of hands out there in the uh, the listening audience, show of hands, anything significant happened in the year 1776? Now, if this were a man on the street video, uh, the first nine people that we ask will all have no idea what it was. And the 10th will be like, well, duh. It was it was the the fight between Russia and America. 
And then, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, it was also the day, and I found this out, uh, a lot of this stuff out over the last couple of days because I've had some time to look into it. And uh, I've also heard some other people talking about it. I didn't really pay any mind to it. Uh, I, I wasn't really thinking about it. I did see a couple of people tweeting some things about it. Uh, I'm not on Twitter, but they have bridges set up with like their Telegram pages and things like that. So you're able to see their tweets when they put them out. But uh, anyway, I thought, what's everybody talking about with this 220? I said, it's just a day. It's just a day. Well, come to find out, there's a lot more meaning behind it than what I realized. If you are to go back and, and examine what it actually means, the Romans, let's look at what the Romans thought. The Romans, they were all about the astrology and, and into like numerology and all that stuff. Okay, fine. Just like a lot of these uh, these sycophants that are running these um, uh, these organizations like the World Economic Forum, they're all into that numerology stuff. They're, they're all into that stuff. So if you look at what the Romans believed when this type of a thing happened, um, and when I say this type of a thing, that day also coincided with the day that the planet Pluto is directly in line with Earth in some in some way. I'm not sure, but I don't know the technical side of things. But that's that's what it is. And the Romans would examine that. They would say, okay, Pluto's exactly in line, and we're going to uh, we're going to invade. Uh, we're going to go to war. We're going to declare war or something. And the Romans believed that it was a start of a new age, uh, and it was the death of another, and it took approximately two years to accomplish that goal. It's an interesting concept when you think about where we are now. Also, if you were to look at what other day that coincided on in modern times, in modern history, more or less, I guess maybe not too modern history, but the last couple of hundred years, the last time that we were in this kind of a line with the planet Pluto was on July 4th of 1776. The American Independence Day it was the day we declared independence against the British Empire. But it, you you mean that wasn't the day that America and Russia... Duke no, unfortunately out. not. No, no. unfortunately oh, not. Okay. And that's not the day we won the war against the South either. Oh, okay. Wow. Well. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know, uh, you know, what what else I would have said then. Um, actually, I, I did. I did a quick search on on Pluto. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what'd, you fun. Um, yeah, what'd you find? So in Greek, uh, Pluto is the giver of wealth. Uh huh. So that's uh, the is that Greek. All? Pluto is well, Pluto is Hades or Pluto or Pluton. They're, they're, uh -huh. They all are the same God, if you will, during okay. Greek times and greek mythology um also the god of the underworld uh I was getting ready to say who the, hades is yeah, god uh, of the underworld yeah uh, yeah uh yeah. but the giver of wealth or the wealthy one is what it translates to according to britannica well that's also george soros britannica for those that are wondering anyway um okay so i i just thought that that was a significant thing that happened on the 22nd because the next time that'll roll around is uh when is that it's it's like 300 years from now, isn't it? Um, so it, it's another 100. Well, this date will happen technically 200 years from now. It won't be obviously 2022, but right, it'll be 2222. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's hope we're here to see it, right? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hope we're here to see it, it. It's possible with the, the claims that our technology gurus have. Um, our generation may be the one that does live long enough to see that which would be if you if you look back in history and you look at like people that were born in the like late 1800s and then made it to like 2000 the 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 change that they witnessed going from the 1800s horse and buggy you know to the like model t's to planes jets going to space 
all those different changes that we had during those eras, um, yeah, it'd be quite the shock, if you will. I imagine if you live on from now for the next 200 years, you're going to see some interesting things. It'd be interesting to see. You know, I, I heard that before before all of this stuff got really crazy when we were still in like the two weeks to flatten the curve and we were three months into that, which the Germans are starting to hold up interesting signs here uh, about the two weeks to flatten the curve at a lot of their protests. I think it's pretty funny. But one of the things that I heard someone say, uh, I want to I say it was Steve Bannon, but I can't I can't be sure of that. Uh, but he said, if you're under 50, he says, if this if this road that we're going down, right, he says, if we can get this fourth turning and we can grab control of this from these people that are trying to hijack it, if we can steal it away from them and control our own destiny, this fourth industrial revolution that Klaus Schwab likes to talk about, that's a real thing. Whether or not you believe what Klaus Schwab is, is trying to sell you, which I think he's nothing more than a used car salesman when it comes to that, because they're trying to sell you something very old, like it's very new. The stuff they're trying to sell you, those are old ideas. Those are old failed ideas. Is. That's nothing new. This whole idea of uh, wealth d- redistribution in this re- this utopia and this you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna build back all this whatever this nonsense is. That's crap. That's crap. That's the past. That is not the future. That is the past. They are the past, and they're trying to remain relevant. But this this fourth turning, if we can get this. And if we can get this right, as we the people, if we can get this right, if you're under 50, you have a real shot at living to 200 if we can do it right. Now, is that to say there's not going to be a lot of hardships and a lot of bumps along the way? Of course, I expect that. But in the end, as Bruce said, if we can do this, if we can if we can manage this, if we can come out on this clean on the other side somehow, then we do have a real shot at seeing that next date of 2,222. But in the meantime, before we get to that year, we have to deal with this one, unfortunately. Russia is going to evacuate their embassy staff from the Ukraine. Putin apparently is signaling that war is coming. Uh, do you do you get that feeling when you uh, when you look at all of this? Now, th- this is this is really interesting where we are now, because Putin has has declared these two regions as uh, independent states. Okay, fine. Uh, which I'm not sure they can actually do that, but that's a side issue. He didn't actually invade them. So that card is off the table for uh, the West and NATO that are, uh, quite frankly, I think they're the ones that are trying to start this fight here. But he's taken that card away from them. That piece has been knocked off of the chessboard. You can't play that piece anymore. But now the administration is doubling down anyway. Same thing with Trudeau. Trudeau's decided to throw his hat in the ring. They've sent armaments over to the Ukraine just a few days ago. Why are we doing that? Why, why is that being done? And then Trudeau, as if you couldn't, as, as if this couldn't get any more hypocritical, he comes out and says this. Canada and our allies will defend democracy. We are taking these actions today to stand against authoritarianism. Are you serious? The people of Ukraine, like all people, must be free to determine their own future. What? We will continue working with our international partners to safeguard Ukraine's territorial integrity and prevent further Russian aggression. He, he can't be serious. He, he really can't be serious. The, the Ukrainian people have a right to determine their own future. What about your own people, sir? Your own people think you're garbage, and you are. You're going to stand against authoritarianism when you're behaving like an authoritarian? You and that scumbag, uh, whatever the hell she is next to you, the little bobblehead, Carista Free, whatever the hell her name is. You got a lot of you got a lot of guts, son. I'll give you that. Uh, you, you know, I'm I'm applauding the Canadian government for sending all those weapons and armaments 
to their own people to ensure their own people are free from themselves. Um, yeah, that that good on them for for. Oh wait, that's not what they're doing, is it? They're they're, they're saying it to Ukraine. Oh. Misunderstanding. No, you see, you're misunderstanding. You see, those those terrorists that had those weapons seized at those uh, those uh, those violent insurrection protests that were driving those 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 big things that were that were making noises. Let me understand this. You're you're actually criticizing Putin for recognizing two independent places, which, quite frankly, that's a whole another mess in and of itself. We're not even going to get into that. But you're saying that you're going to stand against authoritarianism and you're acting like an authoritarian over a bunch of working class people honking horns. You're afraid of people honking horns and you're going to have some kind of testicular fortitude to stand up to Vladimir Putin. You can't be serious. You cannot be serious. Bruce, did you know what honking means? You know, apparently I didn't know this. I didn't know this. That what <laughs> one member of the uh, the Canadian Parliament. Uh, I'm assuming this is the uh, the Liberal Party. Uh, that's that is Trudeau's party. Um, she's clued us in as to what what the uh, the acronym of honking actually means. You really could not make this up. How many guns need to be seized? How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk? which is an acronym for Hail Hitler. What? Do we need to see by these protesters on social media? Mm-hmm. Honk, honk is an acronym for saluting mm. Hitler? Uh, that, that's a new one on me because, you know, uh, being in a uh, Bible belt, you know, kind of thing, every once in a while you'll see someone out there with a sign, honk for Jesus or whatever. Yeah, so now yeah. that I know... Uh, or honk if you love Jesus, whatever, whatever the phrase is. But anyway, now that I know honking is Heil Hitler. No, honk, honk. Uh, not not oh, don't honk, just one honk. honk, honk, honk. Not just one. Oh, you know, H, okay. H, got it? Okay. Yeah, you got it? Uh, honk, yeah, honk. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. When you honk that, your that's car That's a bit of a stretch twice. because hmm, that's that's quite a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I, I, I don't even... I, I don't even have words to that because it makes no sense at all. There, there is no logic to that. You're trying to apply logic to an illogical person in an illogical situation is what you're trying to do. So that's why it doesn't work. They're, yeah, they're just using the fascist card, the racist card, the white supremacist card, the whatever. Uh, they're, they're just trying to throw mud at the target to see if it'll stick to them. And then you, you notice one term that they're not using all these terms that that's an interesting point you bring up there. You notice all these terms they're throwing around and all these labels they're sticking on everybody. You notice what label they're not using Marxist. They're not using that label, are they? Yeah, that would that would upset the Marxists that are among them, though. Uh-huh. So can't uh-huh. do that. Well, no, you can't do yeah. that because that would expose what they are. Yeah. Though I'm at the same time, I'm surprised they're not doing that because in every other scenario, they're accusing others of being like pedophiles or accusing others of being racist or accusing. And then when you go and look at videos and, and their involvements and they're the, the white supremacists, the racists, the, the, the bigots, the uh, pedophiles, everything that they're accusing the other side of doing, they're guilty of themselves. But that's a Saul Linsky. The, the thing is, that, that's Saul Linsky. That's a rules for radical tactic. Accuse your opposition of that which you are guilty. It's in his book, Rules for Radicals. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, that that's default human nature, though. I mean, like if you've looked at someone that's selfish or narcissistic, they will accuse the other of that which they're guilty of. I mean, it, it's it, it's almost textbook narcissism. So I'm surprised, uh, I guess, that they're doing that. Because if you notice, they, they make all these claims. Oh, Hong Kong means this. Show me the data that, that proves that. Show me the records that, that show me something that proves your statement. They don't have anything. 
even if they were to fabricate and plant it themselves, like Hillary did with Trump, I mean, they would at least have something that they planted. Well, see, Bruce, you're not supposed to even ask that question. You're not supposed to you're not supposed to question that because what this is all about is this is about Ukraine. This is about Russian aggression. Of course, all that is is a cover to take you to war. Uh, that's all it's about. You know what? I honestly I don't want to spend any more time on that. I think it's a I think it's a dead issue. Yes, the Russians are over there burning documents in their their embassies or whatever. Yes, the Ukrainians uh, said to have the, or told their whatever their diplomats or whatever in Russia to flee immediately. Yes, Russia has recalled their embassy staff from Ukraine. Okay, fine, fine. I personally believe that Putin is trying to get the band back together. That's my personal opinion. I believe that he wants to try and resurrect the good old days of the Soviet Union. And that entails taking back some of that territory. When he made the statement about Vladimir Lenin being responsible for modern day Ukraine and Stalin being responsible for modern day Ukraine and denouncing both of them. That's always been in the playbook. What happened when Stalin took over from Lenin? He denounced Lenin. He lost party support because of that. That's mainline history. When Stalin passed on and Nikita Khrushchev took over, he denounced Stalin. And he took a hit for that. Of course, he didn't. Putin didn't mention Khrushchev, did he? He didn't mention Gorbachev either. Uh, or what was the other one? There was another one in there. He was in there in the 90s. I can't think who it was. Uh, all the way up into the 2000s. It was after Gorbachev, his successor. Uh, as soon as you say his name, I'll know it. Yeah, I'm pulling up the list here. Uh, Dmitry? Medye- uh, Medvedev? Medvedev? No, 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 no. No, Med- no, 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 no okay. it wasn't. It was before. Uh, Boris, Boris, Yet- Boris Yeltsin. Yeah, Boris Yeltsin. Yeltsin. That was him. Yeah, yeah. yep, that was him. Yep, Boris Yeltsin. Uh, he didn't denounce any of those, but instead he denounced the communist leaders in the past, minus Khrushchev. It's always been a tactic for them to denounce the predecessors. Does Putin really believe that he wants to, quote, decommunize Ukraine? Is that really what he means? I don't know. I don't know, because, I mean, Putin was former head of the KGB. You don't get to be head of the KGB back in the Soviet days if you weren't a communist. It doesn't work like that. Now, I believe Putin's a very smart political player. He'd have to be. I don't care who you are, whether it's him or someone else. To get to be head of the KGB, you can't be somebody that doesn't play politics. And of course, you also have to look at his upbringing. His father was Joseph St- one of Joseph Stalin's private chefs. Now, what is any good dictator always fearful of? Their own lives, right? They live in a state of paranoia constantly. They're always worried about their food being poisoned. They have food testers and food taste testers and all that stuff. If you can't trust your own private chef, well, who can you trust? I'd say that was probably his most trusted advisor, most trusted confidant. Who do you think that he spent most of his time conversing with? I would imagine it would be his private chef. I mean, if that were me, I would. I'd want to have him in my good graces as much as possible. Or at least giving him good gifts, you know, making sure he's well off. Sure. You know, Make sure his family's wants, taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Make sure his yeah. family's taken yeah. care of. And I'm sure that that's what happened. And of course, we're at modern day. But uh, again, that's a, it's a side issue. I, I don't I don't think that um, I don't think Putin is. Um, h- how do I put it? I, I don't think Putin is what we think he is. We want to think that he is a uh, a conservative minded uh, whatever. You know, that that's what I think that's what they want us to think. I think that's what he wants us to think, because it allows us to put our guard down and say, oh, look, he's He's uh, he's a breakaway. He's gone rogue. He's uh, he's fighting the uh, the Western establishment. Is he? Remember, Klaus Schwab himself said that Vladimir Putin was a young global leader. So is he fighting it? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know 
is that he is diametrically opposed to whatever this monstrosity circus show we have in DC. He's opposed to that. What I also know is that because of this situation in eastern Ukraine, which Nancy Pelosi thinks is Hungary, <laughs> you, you, really could, you really couldn't make that up. What I also know is about that situation, if the people in D.C. had any wherewithal whatsoever, they would understand that what Putin did and what is continuing to happen in that region right now as we speak, while you've got the American whatever in the hell rogue government we've got arming for war for whatever in the hell reason. Well, I think we all know what the reason is. But you have a golden opportunity right now. If you're the intelligence community, or I would call them the unintelligent community at the moment, you have a golden opportunity to drive a wedge in between the Russian and Chinese alliance. And you're not doing it. My next question would be, why? Why are you not doing that? You have that golden opportunity. Why are you not doing something about it? That's my question, too. The The only conclusion I can really come to is that you're on the same side as the one of the two, and you don't want division between them. I would say it's, I, well, I, I mean, I DC's being quarterback from Beijing. Look how many people they have compromised in those places. Dianne Feinstein's personal driver for 20 years was a Chinese Communist Party operative. Eric Swalwell sits on the House Intelligence Committee, was sleeping with a Chinese Communist Party operative, Fang Fang, yeah, uh, was smashing that one for how many years? And all these was, investments. Was, he started He started that back when he was a mayor. When he was a mayor, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's still on the House Intelligence Committee. Mitch McConnell has investments in Chinese banks, has investments in shipping companies over there. Gee, I wonder which side they're on. I don't think they're on the side of the Russians. I actually, I, I don't know that the Russians aren't on the same side as well. And they're just, they're playing this game, uh, uh, the cat and mouse game, which it's really not a cat and mouse game. It's it's really uh, it basically just off political theater. But they're playing this game and the average person, the, 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 those of us that are not privy to the behind the scenes, what goes on behind the scenes, the deals and whatnot, we don't see that this is all just a game to make money, a game to play smoke screens, you know, mirrors, smoke and mirrors, as, as we've talked before as well. So you've got one side, you're making money because your investments are in uh, contractors and, you know, uh, Military, the uh, what was it? The um, uh, military industrial complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have your investments there, and then you've got your investments in China and and the going goings on there. Your Ukrainian uh, operation has already been exposed, so you don't care about that anymore. You kind of need um, you kind of need that to be purged. So having this smoke and mirrors go on, and just so happens that you could, I don't know, pull out your ambassadors in those locations and have an excuse to say, oh, we, we purged all documents and everything as well. I mean, I don't know. There's just so many things that go on in this that I, I, I think this is all just, it's just a game. And I, I'm not convinced that Putin isn't a part of the game in, in all of this. He's playing along because the Western world has said, look, you can have parts of Ukraine or all of Ukraine for that matter. I don't know what the agreement is, but we need this smokescreen. And I think that's really what's going on. They do. Uh, they do need the smokescreen. However, there is also this. Uh, well, I mean, Putin said today that if you're going to sanction, he actually said this, he says, if you're going to sanction Russia, he said this to the to the West because we, we put sanctions all over him today. If you're going to sanction Russia, the only thing you're going to do is you're going to cause the American people to have higher gas prices. And he's right. He's right. But 
you got Lindsey Graham, you know, old old Lindsey out there. He's he's back out. He says, well, we need to crash the ruble, which is the Russian currency. We need to crash the ruble and we need to lower the price of oil. Well, Lindsey, there's an easy way to do that. As a matter of fact, we were doing that before we changed horses here in the White House. We had that. For the first time in our lifetimes, the United States of America was energy independent. We didn't need anybody else. We were flooding the market. We were causing the Russians to have to sell their oil at a cheaper price. And of course, now they're selling it at a premium because we've stopped our own energy exploration because of Klaus Schwab and his gang and Bill Gates and that type. And as a matter of fact, you had the Nord Stream 2, the pipeline going between Russia and Germany, which was a stupid idea to begin with. Now, all of a sudden, oh, well, the Biden administration, they put sanctions on that this morning. Germany has stopped certification of Nord Stream 2, saying that they're not going to do it. Scholz, the, uh, the chancellor over here, said, and I'm quoting here, he said this in Berlin uh, yesterday. He said, with regard to the latest developments, we need to reassess the situation also with regard to the Nord Stream 2, or also with regard to Nord Stream 2. It sounds very technocratic, but it is the necessary administrative step in order to stop the certification of the pipeline. Why is it even there? Why, why do you even have that? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? That means at the touch of a button, if you have that online, okay, just to put this into perspective, if you have that online, you are now beholden to Russia for energy. At the touch of a button, if something goes wrong at some uh, conference somewhere and a couple of diplomats don't get along or, I don't know, uh, there's an incident that happened at, a Ber at the Russian embassy in Berlin last year that they're still investigating, one of their diplomats just happened to fall out of a three-story window. I've been past the, uh, the Russian embassy up there. It's very nice, actually, from the outside. It's a pretty tall building. Someone just happened to fall out of a window there. The, the security cameras were just turned off that night. Huh. They're still investigating that. But see, if some, I'm just saying, if something like that happens, then what does that mean? Sanctions get thrown back and forth. Arguments get thrown back and forth. Blockades get thrown back and forth. Trade negotiations stop. Arguments ensue. Energy gets cut off. And you're putting 82 million people in the dark. Do you see how dangerous that is? Do you see how foolish of an idea that was to begin with? But yet they went ahead with it. So stopped in the meantime? I don't know. I don't know. What I know is, is that right now, natural gas reserves in the country of Germany are at 31%. That's what I know. That's what's been reported. 31%. And those are going to continue to drop until this mess is sorted out. And as you said, um, going back to the oil and, uh, oil and gas, the American people should not be... Th that would be an easy solution, by the way, if, if uh, the... U.S. would continue drilling in their own country again, and they would start doing the, the fracking, uh, you know, doing all, crank it up, just start exporting it. And you know what happens to the ruble? They require something like uh, in the range of $100 a barrel. Their economy requires about that. If we just start pumping the market full of oil, guess what happens to their economy? Um, their ruble does lose value because we're producing there's just so much cheap uh, crude on the market. So that would be an easy solution. That would also mean America would be a producer again. That would also mean we would have energy independence and we wouldn't be, you know, uh, milly mouth cap in hand, I believe is what Marty says to these other uh, countries asking for, hey, will you sell us your oil? No, we've got plenty here on the home front. And those of you that are all concerned about environmental damages and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you should be out there advocating for nuclear energy. Uh, and, and in the interim, you know, in the, in the short term, 
uh, allow the oil and gas. And we'll try to figure out solutions to go to something more reliable, something cleaner. Uh, but until then, unfortunately, we're required to use oil. There is no other option on the market um, unless you want to go wind and solar. And that's not an option because they're not reliable. Uh, and you still need petroleum products for all of those. So it, it, it makes no sense. And petroleum products are going to be on the market for a very long time. I'm sorry, you're not getting rid of plastics. You're not going to get rid of uh, the other chemicals we use in, in producing products. Uh, and so you, there, there's a lot of room for improvement. And why haven't any of you been been talking about that? But that that's a side note. That's a side topic. Um, we said something in there as well uh, that uh, triggered uh, a memory. And we kind of brought up how politicians are pedophiles and all of that and some of these um, higher ups. Um, uh, number one four, of Facebook. The, we saw the video a couple of days ago. I'm not going to play it here because it's just that disturbing. I'm, I'm not going to do it. But the number four guy. Yeah, and a lot of sensory. L number four guy at Facebook. Videos up on our Telegram page for those who have not seen it. Yeah, was uh, soliciting a 13-year-old boy, I believe, uh, which ended up not really being a 13-year-old boy. But um, Well, I see he yeah, said yeah, he'd anyway. never done anything like that before. It's, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that question he, was he never just, asked to you. Why did you make that statement? He just flew all the way to Indiana and just went to the exact hotel room where he'd scheduled the meetup and there were two cops sitting there waiting yeah. for the sorry sack of sh You know, you get the idea. It's family yeah. show. Yeah. Well, uh, that reminded me that uh, we hadn't talked about this. One of the, uh, we'll say pimps for the Epstein debacle, if you will, they committed suicide in prison as well. They hung themselves. And it just so happened that the security cameras, you know how unreliable they are? Um, yeah. They, they were down. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. You know, I hate when that happens. You know, you do things during a changeover or there's a power outage, just unreliable stuff these days. You, you can never count on that stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. And just uh, the guards fell asleep, you know. Right. I mean, it just, right. yeah. Okay. Shall we get on to, uh, uh, let's, i tell you what, let's move to... Um, Let's move to Canada. We have kind of touched on Canada a little bit, but let's get a little bit further in depth with it. The parliament has approved the use of the Emergencies Act in response to the freedom protest. Trudeau actually had the audacity to say publicly, and I'm sorry I don't have the clip here with me, but he said that if you don't vote for an extension of the Emergencies Act, for the Emergencies Act, then you hate the government. What? You, you actually, you're, you're saying that if you don't, Vote to continue the uh, the authoritarian crackdown on your people that are peacefully asking. They're peacefully asking you, stop what you're doing. We don't agree with you. And, and the more they continue on with this, the more they're losing the hearts and minds of the people. That's the biggest problem here. Klaus Schwab and company, they were not counting on, and, and the corporations that are in bed with them and in leagues with them, they weren't counting on this happening. As in, yes, they were expecting resistance. However, they were banking on the fact that we, the people, were going to be just absolutely stupid, clueless, and in the dark, and we were going to blame our governments for everything. We weren't going to blame the people above them that control them. They weren't counting on that. You can tell by their actions and by their responses that they weren't counting on that. What they were counting on was scapegoating the governments. They were to take the fall. The people were to rise up, get violent. Why do you think they're trying to get violent? They're, they're trying to push the people into violence. The people are supposed to become violent. They want it to become violent. But by you being Gandhi and taking the beating in the streets, you're not giving them what they want. You're out there getting trampled by police horses. 
You're out there getting your ribs kicked in and busted up. You're getting your rigs confiscated. You're getting your bank account seized. They want you to get violent because they want you to blame. When I say they, I'm talking about Schwab and Company, the World Economic Forum. They want you to blame the governments, start a civil war and fight the governments. The governments then get overthrown. The whole system collapses. And then they come in and offer you the solution. That's what was meant to happen. But it didn't. We know that by taking on these governments, it doesn't need to stop there. We have to go after the people that have compromised our governments and undermined our democratic process. The governments, these people, seriously, can you honestly tell me, whatever nation you're listening to us from, can you honestly tell me anybody within your government that has been a key figure in any of these COVID restrictions over the last two years, can you tell me for an absolute fact that they are not an incompetent idiot? All of them have been saying exactly the same thing, following the same script from New Zealand to Australia to Germany to France to the UK to Canada to America. They're all saying the same thing. What does that mean? That means they're all being told by the same people what to say. That was actually going to be my question, and, and you're bringing that up. I, I would go a step further and say, are you are you entirely sure that these people that have been saying all the same things, are you are you sure they're for your country or are they traitors? And yes, I use that term specifically for a reason. I, I understand the weight of that word. I think that's more of what's going on personally, because you look at, uh, I don't know, they, they've been lying to you on the uh, scientific data over the last two years. They've been lying to you on the efficacy of these vaccines and uh, the side effects thereof. Uh, they've been shutting down businesses. They've been uh, restricting your movements. And where did this virus come from again? Oh, that's right. It came from Wuhan, China. And who funded that again? Oh, that's right. The West, mainly America, in all of this. Everybody's on board with... It's just, I don't know that you can convince me at this point, otherwise, that this was not planned, the, the, the virus and everything in the release, and that Biden isn't the correct president for the time. And what I mean by that is, that is their guy. That's the one they wanted in office. And it's not because he's such a great president or it's all to make America look weak. It's all to make America look like they're incapable, that they're a failing empire. And this has all been part of a game to push their, as you said, you're going to beg your governments to come in and regulate things or to basically save you. That's what they were hoping you would do. Then they can swoop in with these basically social credit and you'll willfully take it. They need you to take that digital ID. That's what they need you to take. That's what it's all about. The World Health Organization, these things, these digital IDs, whether that's about a vaccine passport or whatever, that was just meant to get you to take it. That's all it was. It was meant to get you to go out and take it. You would already have it, and then they would morph it into something else. That's what it was meant to do. But you didn't take it. The majority of the people, they didn't take it. I don't care what the media says. The majority of people didn't take it. And those that did take it didn't agree to it. You didn't agree to that. The World Health Organization has tapped Deutsche Telekom. That's T-Mobile for those that are outside of Germany. That's the larger parent corporation. They've tapped them to create the QR codes for the global vaccine passport initiative program. A German telecom company is now going to create QR codes for the digital IDs for the world. Did they consult you about that? Do you have people that want these things outside of the COVID cult? 
Do you have anybody that wants these things? There are millions upon millions of people in the streets of where I am right now, vaxxed and unvaxxed, that will not take it. There are millions upon millions of people in the streets of the country of France right now, vaxxed and unvaxxed, that will not take it. People in the UK, same thing, will not take it. Americans, by and large, will not take it. Italians, by and large, will not take it. But they're doubling down anyway. Klaus Schwab, 2016, on stage, Davos, Switzerland, with Justin Trudeau. You got to hear this. Prime Minister, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, friends. As you know, the theme of this annual meeting is mastering the fourth industrial revolution. I couldn't imagine anybody who could represent more the world which will come out of this fourth industrial revolution. It certainly will be a world, hopefully, not certainly, hopefully, if we take the right decisions, which will be a diverse world characterized by plurality. It will be a world which will combine significant investments into the future into our soft and hard infrastructure with fostering entrepreneurial activity, at the same time social responsibility. It will be a young world. It will be a digital world. Now who could represent such a world better than you, Prime Minister? We are very glad that at the beginning of this meeting, you are talking to us to represent also a new open Canada. I want to use this opportunity also to thank our Canadian constituency, which always has been a very loyal and very much engaged constituency here at the Forum. But now, I think with you, together with our constituents, Prime Minister, we can make sure that uh, in the future we strengthen the cooperation even more with your country. Prime Minister, we are very much looking forward to listen to you and actually uh, the discussion will uh, be moderated by my friend Farid. So um, we will have some exciting, interesting moments. Thank you. It will be a young world. It will be a digital world. And he can't think of anyone better to lead the new open Canada than Prime Minister Trudeau. You see, this covers two things. This covers the point you just made, Bruce. They need those people in place, in key times, in key places. He was one of them. 2016. We didn't get the pandemic until 2020. They couldn't be to this point of introducing digital IDs if they didn't have the pandemic to try and get you into it. So not only does it cover him being in place, of course they needed Biden in place. Actually, it was supposed to be Hillary. She was the one that was supposed to be in place. Quite frankly, I think they could have done this if Hillary had been in office. They could have done this without the need for COVID or something like it. They could have done this without that because with her, it would have been war with the Russians right off the bat. And that would have drug in the Syrians, the Iranians, the Chinese, probably the North Koreans. The entire region would have gone up over there again. You would have had an economic collapse. And at that point, 
They could have just used that massive economic collapse as a way to get the digital ID in. That's just my guess. I'm just wargaming off the top of my head. But there's well, more to it. There, uh, there's more to this digital I, ID. We'll get to that in a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I would throw in as well with the, the Hillary campaign. She was willing to not only push a false narrative with Trump, but she was also willing to uh, plant uh, false information on both Trump's uh, computers and false data uh, in terms of basically made him look like he was a, a Russian stooge. If she's willing to do that in a presidential campaign, what is she not willing to do? So to your point, it would have been uh, an easy justification for them to plant some kind of data or to, you know, push some narrative that the media would have gone all for uh, whatever, whatever comes out of these politicians mouths. The media seems to cover for them. Uh, both sides of the aisle, by the way. Uh, if you're on the right, you go on Fox News and Fox News is basically carrying water for you as well. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, I, I think I think not only would it be as bad as you're saying, but I think it would be far worse. I don't know that we would be. I don't think we would have this podcast if it was Hillary. No, they'd have slammed the door on that really quickly. And I think you would have seen an authoritarian move unlike anything you've seen with this uh, th this administration. Uh, it would have been, I, I don't even want to think about the, the help that would have been. If you were complaining about mean tweets under Trump, you'd have been begging for mean tweets under Trump if you'd have had Hillary as president. But I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm not going to get down into how hellish that would have been. Uh, and it still could be. Rumor has it she's looking to make a comeback run uh, in 2024. We'll see. But back to the digital ID, because I, I think that, that that's the main topic here, digital ID. Again, they're doubling down. You've got millions of Canadians, patriotic men and women, vax on vax, out there in the streets of Canada saying, drop dead, government. We don't want anything you have to offer. That's pretty much universal across the board. As I said, they're losing the hearts and minds of the people. Once you've lost the will of the people, you've lost, son. That's it. You've got nothing left at that point but violence. And then you lose even more people. The president of the Canadian Central Bank in this ad that was just put out three days ago. Canada is on the cusp of a revolutionary innovation that will transform the way Canadians authenticate themselves online and protect their identity. Digital ID. All of us are living in a digital world, but we're tethered to an analog model of how we identify ourselves. Memorizing countless online passwords, carrying government-issued licenses, plastic cards, and more. Digital ID is a way for Canadians to identify themselves to government, businesses, and each other electronically, with ease and rock-solid security, without the need to present physical documents. One interconnected network. A federated digital ID ecosystem developed in collaboration with Canada's best and brightest talent from our banks, telecommunication companies, law enforcement, and government. It would have the power and security to store every Canadian's electronic identity and attributes. And it would unlock countless opportunities for Canadians to verify who they are safely, quickly, and securely, while only revealing the information necessary for each transaction. A fast, easy, and secure way to bank, sign up for government services, renew driver's licenses or health cards, shop, travel, and more. Canada's banks are perfectly situated to help lead the creation of a federated digital ID system between government and the private sector. The World Economic Forum agrees that banks and financial institutions should lead the path forward for digital ID. Banks are highly regulated and trusted. They have advanced cybersecurity and privacy technology, and they have the infrastructure to operate provincially and nationally. 
Banks are also at the forefront of working with fintech startups who are bringing revolutionary mobile and online products and services to Canadians. Digital ID can help consumers navigate between these apps and programs with trust and confidence, knowing their ID is protected at all times. A federated digital ID approach can also significantly reduce fraud, save taxpayer money, improve regulatory compliance, and make it easier to do business as an owner and as a consumer. In fact, the Canadian Bankers Association just launched a white paper with our recommendations on how to move forward with a federated digital ID framework. I encourage you to read it to learn more. I will be reading that paper. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I don't even know where to begin with that. I, I will start with the fact that that right there looks like a guy. I know that you as the listener, you can't see it, although the video is up on our Telegram page. That looks like a guy that when you walk onto a used car lot, he's the guy in the white suit and the corncob pipe that comes up to you and tries to sell you some piece of crap at twice the price. That's what that looks like. That's what that sounds like. He's doing the entire thing with this, I can't say the word, but this eat and grin on his face. The World Economic Forum recommends that the banks are at the forefront because they're trusted institutions. This is going to pave the way for convenience across private banks, government, and health services? I I thought the World Economic Forum was a conspiracy. I, I, I thought all of that was not real. I think that what's portrayed in that ad there is confirming everything that we've been telling you over the last three and a half years now. It, it's out in the open now. You've got millions of people across the world that are saying, get the hell out of here with your ridiculous ID system. We don't want it. We don't need it. And they're doubling down. They're doubling down right in front of your face. They're saying, we don't care. It's for your own good. You're going to take this. But it's not your governments. Your governments are meant to take the fall. People like this want your governments to be overthrown. So you beg people like that for a solution. That is not your solution. That is your problem. That is part of your problem. So I say no to digital IDs. And we're not alone. I'd say the majority of people would say no to digital IDs. You've got, what, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 30,000, 100,000, 300,000 on any given day in every little town protesting, saying no. The problem is, is that they don't care. Why don't they care? Well, it's very simple. It's as simple as this, and I wish it was more complicated than this. Corporations and private interests like this that are in league with the World Economic Forum, how they have all those corporations, they don't need governments anymore. The time of the government in their eyes is over. They don't need them. Yes, they're there and, and you feel like you you uh, you have a part in the democratic process and you go to vote and uh, and you think that something's going to change when in reality it doesn't. It doesn't because they own those people. They don't work for you. They haven't worked for you. They haven't worked for us in a very long time. But they're kept there as ceremonial pieces, kind of like the royal family in England. They're kept there to make it feel like you have a say in something. That's all they're there for. They don't need governments any longer. The time of the government in the corporation's eyes is over. I still believe we need government at the local level because I think that's where everything's done. All politics are local, in my opinion. That's what made us great. That's what we need to go back to. The problem is, is that we're trying to decentralize and they're trying to centralize. That's the war. We're trying to do everything we can to decentralize everything. Cryptocurrencies, blockchain, that's decentralization. They need everything centralized. We want local farms. We want local businesses. We want family-run businesses. They want big box retailers. They want big agri. They want Terminator seeds. They want GMO. That's the war. They want centralized currency, digital currencies, digital IDs. And you heard what that man just said, the president of the Bank of Canada. You heard what he just said. It will run every 
aspect of your life. Every bit of it. From driver's licenses to health cards to shopping to traveling to government services. That's pretty much covers just about everything that you do in your existence. Did you mention uh, social media, you know, all the stuff that you do for recreation? Oh, don't worry. That'll that'll be in there. there That'll be in there. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be in there as well. But that's it. That's your social credit. That's your key to social credit. That's your, your ticket into that door. But what happens? What happens when you do take it? Let's talk about that for a second. What happens when you do take it? Well, something very interesting happens when you take that. You go into a system that now you are forever beholden to. This is what Bruce has warned about for many, many years since we started talking about this. As a matter of fact, I think we were out of even the mainliners. We were talking about Chinese social credit and no one was talking about that. And we're like, wait a minute, this this is coming here. And more and more people finally started to pick it up. And it's been so gratifying to hear the, the, the mainliners in the radio and the podcasting world pick it up. And it's been, it's been gratifying to sit back and watch and say, thank God. You know, I, I, don't, I don't care. I really don't want the credit for any of that. I, I really don't care. I, I don't want that. I don't want notoriety. I don't want, not, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want people to understand what is happening. I just want people to pay attention. And I want people to react against it and to fight back against it. And that is starting to happen. The tide is turning. If the situation were hopeless, their propaganda would be unnecessary. And you notice they're doubling down with everything, propaganda included. But once you take the digital ID, you are now forever stuck in a system and in a nightmare that you can't even get out of. Bruce, you said many times here before that there's no way to get out of that or you don't see a way or even an easy way or really of any way really to get out of it once you're in it. Let's take a look inside. This is French mainstream media. They just did a small story on this. Let's take a look inside what happens when you go along to get along. What happens to you when you take the digital ID, when you do what you're told to do because you want to help and and you want to be safe and and you want to go along and you don't want to be an outcast. Let's see what happens to you. Caught out by a change in rules, this 18-year-old student headed straight to a vaccination centre on Tuesday. She woke up to an expired vaccine pass after not getting a booster shot in time. There are too many rules coming out. First, it was after six months that we could get a booster. So I told myself, OK, I have time. Then it was shortened to three months. It was a mess. The maximum time frame between two doses is now reduced to four months instead of seven. Authorities say there'll be a seven-day grace period for those who haven't had a third shot. There are some people, though, who still believe a third jab is one too many. It's sad, but that's how it is. I don't have the right to do anything anymore, so I'm not even trying. I hope the pass is suspended soon. Yeah, see, you just hope that it's suspended soon. She doesn't know what to do. Now she's stuck out from from the system. Now she can't access anything. Can you imagine this being on a national scale, getting this implemented everywhere? This would be the worst with Klaus Schwab and his his ilk in charge of things and the banks in charge of things that have bankrupted everything and stolen your pension and stolen your children, your grandchildren and your great grandchildren's future through fraud. Can you imagine these six psychotics running this system with the communist Chinese? That's the world you want to live in? Not me. If you're one of the ones that's choosing to live into this world, you know, you, you want to go headlong into this world and want to live into this world, at least know what you're getting yourself into. At least understand that you have no bodily autonomy anymore and you're bound to whatever the government says. If the government says you go in and get another jab, you're going to go in and get another jab. That's the way it is. If you want to continue to eat, you want to continue to survive in society, 
you must do what the government says under these under under the social credit system. So whatever experimental jab they come out with, no matter what the side effects are, no matter what the data is when it comes out a couple of years later, uh, no matter, it doesn't matter. You you are bound to do whatever they say. If they tell you to go and have a sex change, you have to go and have a sex change. If you are told you have to turn in your neighbor because, uh, you know, or anyone because they're not following whatever the rules are, you're going to do that. That That is basically what it is. Either you do exactly as they say, or you don't exist, at least in society. Uh, that's the world they're creating. And you think these same people that just lied to us, gaslit us uh, for the past, uh, I, I was going to say two years, but it's been much longer than that because you keep going back to uh, the Russia gate and you keep going back to all the, the nonsense that's happened over the years. Um, th this is this is our norm. I mean, we, we have people alive today that know no other. They don't know anything else other than what this is, you know, what, what we've gone through this, this nonsense. So I can understand the younger generations wanting to completely burn the system down because the, the system is completely, completely corrupt. They have not seen um, anything other than, for example, if they're, uh, if you're a 22 year old today, you have seen nothing else but war and this political nonsense that goes on. That's all you've seen. So I can understand the younger generations wanting to burn this all down and they want to do this, this new system because uh, everything's out of control. I, I get it, but this isn't the way to go. Just if you're, if you're still convinced you want to do this and you, you're, you're still convinced that this is the better choice for society, this is for the greater good, uh, just understand that you will have no choices in the future. You, you, you are a slave to this system, modern day slavery. And you will not get out of the system for a long time. The only way you're getting out of it is if you can stage some kind of EMP or solar flare or something like that. It completely abolishes the system, like brings you back to horse and buggy era for a few years. It's the only way you're going to reset it. And then you you better hope to God that the, the politicians that were in place that were for all of this are not there anymore. They don't have power anymore. Basically to say that other than a, a God intervention or... Um, you getting a hold of uh, a, a nuclear weapon, you won't get out of it. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump out of here. Uh, tomorrow, we will be sitting down with Marty. He will be here to give us his considered and informed opinion that we're all welcome That's to. That's a happy note to end on, by the way. It um, is. It is. That's why we're going to yeah. end it there. But tomorrow, we are going to be discussing, in conjunction with what we're discussing today, we're going to be discussing the all-cause mortality rates from insurance companies. Some interesting information has literally just dropped from one of the largest German health insurance providers, and we're going to discuss that tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's so big and it's so blockbuster, we just don't have the time to do it now. Also, we're going to be playing some clips tomorrow of former BlackRock executive Edward Dow. He did an interview going into further detail about all the data that they covered up and what the insurance companies are facing, also what the markets are facing, what's going to happen on Wall Street in the coming days because of what has happened by covering all of this stuff up. That's going to be a great conversation to have, so I'm looking forward to that. So for those of you who would like to drop us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.